It didn't take much more than a bottle and two chairs to make a speakeasy. This is what Daniel Okrent said in his book, Last Call, The Rise and Fall of Prohibition. Today, join us for some stories. Get your own bottle, glass, mug, and relax. This is Speak Easily, and I'm your host, Krista Stoffer. I'm in uh, Southern California, uh, a little, little town called Oakview. Um, yeah. Okay, and it's here. gorgeous there, right? Yeah, it's pretty nice. I don't know. Uh, oh, man. That's not fair. That... Hey, there's a really good reason that you don't see any window opportunity where we are right here. It's gross today. Yeah. Is it? Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's pouring down rain here and yeah. storming really bad. And, yeah. Yeah. That's Ohio in spring. Right. Hey, I, I grew up there. I, I remember I was just in Iowa. Uh, uh, a week ago so uh and they you know on and off drizzle i i know the i know the drill yeah that's why i'm here well yeah i mean that's smart you, <laughs> which remind me where did you grow up in ohio which city uh in sharon center ohio up in uh, medina county okay medina. Sharon center population 300 so it's no wonder you haven't heard of it <laughs> well my husband grew up in uh wadsworth oh well that's that was our mailing address Oh, was it really? I, yeah, we were at the very corner of Sharon Township, but we had a, a Wadsworth mailing address, 44281. The WAD. That's I, right. We refer to it as. So wait, did you have a high school there in the city? I went to uh, Highland High School in Medina County. Okay. Uh, if, if I'd lived one one more house down, we would have been in Wadsworth. Uh, we used to go there for the, you know, that was the big city. With hmm. Ben Franklin and, uh, and the library, you know. Back the old Strand Theater. These are ancient, ancient history. How cool it is in Wadsworth. Um, sure. <laughs> I, I remember when it became the city of Wadsworth, it got enough, I don't know, 10 or 20,000 people or something. And that was That's a big awesome. deal. <laughs> did, you, did you play sports growing up? Because I know that the rival, the high school rival, rivalries that he talked about were always a big deal. Yeah, we, we uh, I played, well, playing sports was the one of the things we could get out of farm work for. So uh, I made sure to play sports year round. I, <laughs> I uh, played football. I, I got cut from my freshman high school baseball team. Uh, but uh, my joke is it, it's my picture that's in the Baseball Hall of Fame now to all those guys who made the team. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I played football. And then uh, when I kind of got too small for that, I, I ran cross country and track. Okay. Basketball was my favorite, I guess. Oh, yeah. I'm are, not we, are we taping? We're still setting up, right? Oh, you're good. We're good. I don't have to be pithy or anything. You can be as pithy as you want to be. <laughs> it's a very conversational this show. It's, yeah. I'm yeah, we're loosey like, goosey. I'm show you my pages of notes. Yeah. There are none. So this is, yeah. this is legit. Okay. Yeah. This. yeah. I can't actually cut to myself now, too. That's hi. I'm I'm hi. here. There's, yeah, I get my light out of the way. But yeah, hi. It's good to see you. So, yeah. But uh, but welcome to the show. This is, yeah, yeah this is the, the format is just us just chit chatting and having a good time. And, and we're going to yeah. make it even classier here in yeah. a few minutes. You're going to hear the doorbell ring because we've got Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, man. That's yeah. how cool we are. Here. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
<laughs> I understand the level we are at now. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. they weren't as freaky fast as we were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so it is ten o'clock your time. Is that right? Yes, ten o five. Ten o five. Are you a morning? I, I freaked out this morning because I got up and at seven fifty nine, I looked at my email and I always go from the oldest, yeah. and I thought wait a minute, I, I didn't, 11 o'clock, that's, that's in a minute. And I quick ran into the bathroom and I put water on my hair and I was like, where are you this stuff ready? Oh my gosh. And then, and then by the, when we, when I looked at the thing to even, I was ready to sign in, you know, and uh, then I saw your second one. I was like, okay, well, I'm awake now. There's a really good reason that I have a producer for this podcast. Um, clearly, I can, I'm having trouble hearing you right now. If my yeah. <laughs> um, no, there's a good reason that Ben runs all of the techness because now you have discovered how great I am at technology. And <laughs> you mean time zones or technology? <laughs> like, really, really bad at it. Yep. It's, it's ben, yeah, Ben's not even <laughs> She's not great. <laughs> well, we were, we were really excited to have you on today. So, I mean, the basic premise, like I told you, of our podcast is people of columbus slash ohio and their stories and i mean i love the fact that you were an ohio growing up so the magic of zoom during this weird time we've been able to get so many guests on here that aren't necessarily in ohio so thank you so much for doing this oh yeah my pleasure yeah so we're just your journey i mean you graduated from the, the giant metropolis of sharon center that's it that's right Population 300. Population. Did you have a stop? I'm, I'm sorry? Did you have a stop? I, I still can't hear you very well. I don't know if that's on my end or yours. I have my volume all the way up. Let me check. We're getting too many turn the volume up. That's not going to do anything about it. Yeah. I can hear. Uh, wow. That's, that's not an issue for me. Is that better? Is that better? I can hear Ben really well. Okay. Shut up, Ben. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, there you I'll, go. Just, I'll just have to listen closely. Got it. There you go. I will. I will enunciate. Is that better? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's better. Okay, cool. Should I match your shot? I should back up a little bit. Nobody wants to see me that close this early. Okay. <laughs> it's the weirdness about Zoom of all of the things. I don't. I get so distracted by people's backgrounds. You probably had to do Zoom things for a while now. It's like I get so. Yeah, see, you're doing you're doing this on purpose right now. Now I'm like, what is what is that? This is my mom's uh, computer from when she was a kid. That is a slate blackboard. Uh, she grew up in uh, Toronto, Ohio, and uh, that's her little. Uh, you know, that's what they would write all their problems out on. Anyway, where's Toronto? Uh, right on the West Virginia border, kind of across from Wheeling. Okay. Okay. So you were a what sort of farm? Uh, we had 52 acres and uh, a couple horses and a huge garden. And we, you know, uh, had wheat and, uh, you know, mostly and, you know, occasionally corn, yeah. soybeans. Hey, that's a lot. That's yeah. I, I'm such a city girl. That was for a part of it. That just worked. Whatever you just did. Perfect. He's there magic. He's a magic man. I'll tell you what. Thank you. I had it all screwed up. I'm sorry. It's fixed now. <laughs> you 
you secretly wanted to do the interview, didn't you, Ben? And that's why I could hear you. Yeah, this is my whole goal. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he's been trying to do that for a long time. So okay. really, we're pretty used to that. So then when did you start acting? Uh, well, an, an, uh, one of the other things that we could get out of farm work for doing was plays. My mom, I think, was, uh, you know, she was uh, a big movie fan when she was young, you know, got the magazines and all that stuff in the 30s and 40s and, uh, you know, was in love with Fred Astaire. And uh, so yeah. she she indulged us. I have an old oldest sister and an older brother. And uh, we used to do puppet shows in our basement. Uh, my mom would sew all the little puppets together and my dad built us a you know, a little stage that we would crouch behind and, you know, do our little puppet show. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that was great amusement for, for uh, the neighbors. And then uh, we would do plays in church. And then uh, my brother started a little theater group, uh, Sharon Center Youth Theater, Skit. Nice. Cool. Uh, and uh, so he, uh, we started that group and we do one act plays in the summer with our friends. And, and then I got in the high school play and, uh, so it was just something we kind of did to, you know, get out of work and have fun. And um, I ended up, I guess, sort of getting bit by the bug when I mm -hmm. went to college, I, uh, to Ashland, uh, well, it was Ashland College, now it's Ashland University. Yeah. I was planning to get into radio and television because I thought, well, it's like acting, but you mm -hmm. can actually make money at it. Uh, it turns out, turns out I was wrong on both counts. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, and then, but I, I, I switched my major to theater uh, after my freshman year. I got cast in the lead in a play and I just really loved it. I, I yeah. you know, I was a practical Midwesterner. I kept a marketing minor and a, you know, a speech major. And uh, so I, I was planning on getting an advertising and then couldn't do it. And then thought, well, if I'm going to starve as an actor, I might as well do it now when I'm young and nobody's depending on me. So I, absolutely. I went to Chicago on the train and uh, with $300 in my pocket and um, oh my gosh. here I am today. Were you intending to do theater in Chicago or? Yeah, for the most part. What, what attracted me about Chicago was, I mean, New York was just too mind boggling. I'd been to New York on a little program we did in college, but it just was overwhelming. I mean, uh, but Chicago felt doable and they were at the time and maybe still the improv capital mm -hmm. of uh, the theater world. And so I sort of went off with the intention of getting into Second City and, you know, kind of making my uh, my way. We had done some, we had a little improv comedy troupe in college that would play at the, uh, you know, on campus festivities and stuff. And and uh, anyway, so it was, uh, it was to sort of get into to, uh, to comedy, I guess. And then yeah. uh, I got cast, it, it, I kept getting cast in dramatic roles. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, you know, people either didn't appreciate my sense of humor or... Uh, <laughs> Or saw the underlying angst beneath. Yeah. And, uh, so anyway. Uh, so much I, angst. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I sort of ended up making that transition. <clears throat> I mean, not transition, but I, I remember sort of making a decision. I think I either have to try to pursue comedy or, you know, take advantage. You know, I got cast in the Thornbirds, uh, the miniseries. Yeah. Got to LA, and uh, you know, it just sort of felt like everybody wanted me to be the you know, this uh, sad young man. So I mean, if I they am. pay you for it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's no fun being a sad young man if you're not getting paid for it. Right. <laughs> Just doesn't make anybody happy, literally <laughs> and figuratively <laughs> and monetarily really. If you think about it. Did you, when you did the whole Chicago track, did you, did you get an agent? Did you do that whole 
Well, you know, what's funny is I left, I left, I literally left a farm to go be an yeah. actor. So I knew nothing about it. You know, even the idea of an agent back then, all you knew that from was movies, you know, some cigar chewing guy. Yeah, get him out there. Yeah, this guy's going to be a star. You know, like it, it was just I, I didn't even realize it's real, you know, like. Yeah. But what's great about Chicago is at the time it was a very actor friendly city. There were a lot of theaters, first of all. So I got involved in that right, right away. Mm -hmm. And there were probably five or six main talent agents in Chicago. And you could just walk in their front door and, you know, introduce yourself and, wow. you know, and, and try to get uh, get them to to, uh, you know, to represent you. And uh, and so I did, you know, and you would you could multiply list there. So I was with, you know, five agents. And if a job came into town, you know, whoever called me first, that's who I would take the audition with. And yeah. um, anyway, it was a, it was a lucky break on my part because I had no. That was not part of the plan because I, I just didn't even know that it that it was necessary or or even existed in real life. Wow. Was Thornbirds your first movie then? Uh yeah. In Chicago, I got cast in a uh gosh, it was McDonald's sponsored this, you know, I guess it was kind of an educational film called Trials of a Linebacker, uh, that was about <laughs> a, a high school alcoholic, uh, you know, oh. kid who played football, but anyway, uh Aiden Quinn was in it with me. I I had a bigger part than he did, and you know, but it was all these guys that, you know, a lot of them were with, I mean, you, it's a small community. So yeah. I knew a lot of these guys Yeah. and uh, the guy who played my dad was, uh, you know, is still a character actor and, and, uh, but it never got it, it. We made it, but it never got released to anything. Do you, and at they the didn't time, even give you a copy of it? Uh, I probably have. I, yeah, actually I don't have a copy of it. That would be Aww. kind of probably amusing and embarrassing to watch, but <laughs> Uh, I actually had to put on a football uniform and and play against a uh, new Trier high school's football team. And oh. I mean, I had played football, but I was, you know, six or seven years removed from that. And, you know, I got my butt kicked by yeah. some, you know, some, yes. you know, young swarthy uh, uh, Evanston boys. Well, uh, they, but, they couldn't give it to you though. That wouldn't be yeah. fair. Yeah. I mean, you know, if they brought somebody to, to, to my high school and said, Oh, here's a Hollywood actor who wants to pretend to be a football player. You know, we would have, yeah, we would have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, if you get your chance to shine, you know, yeah. You... And then it, then it didn't even air. Yeah. That's really sad, but I mean, you get paid for it, which is great, but yeah. you know, still. So then you, what happened after that? That was like the first big thing. And then. Yeah. And then there was a TV series at the time called Chicago story. It was kind of a, you know, procedural uh, drama. And I got, I got a role in, in that. And that was, you know, and then I'd done a bunch of plays. I was with the, the organic theater company. We did uh, that's, that's the company that's famous for creating bleacher bums because they created a lot of their shows from improv. So I worked for them for a summer and then I was just lucky to get a chance to go to LA. The, the agent that I had signed with, you would send out their experienced actors in pilot season to try to get some work and, and, uh, and split the commission with a, with an LA agent. And hmm. one of those people had to cancel at the last minute cause they got a job. And I happened to be standing in the office <laughs> when it happened. And I said, I'll go. And they're yeah. like, uh, no, this is for real people who have some you know experience, but uh, I said, well, I'll, I'll do, you know, they, they wanted me to do a monologue yeah. that they would videotape sort of as a, as a demo tape. And so I went out in the hall of the John Hancock building where the agency was. And I wrote a, you know, 30 second uh, little monologue that was sort of about a young farm guy going to Chicago to be an actor. Who knew? Uh, so wow. Clever. That's a, uh, 
It's a strange concept. I don't know where you yeah. found that characterization. Yeah. Anyway, I did that in like an hour's time and I went in and did it for them and they were like, all right, you know, let's, let's give them a shot. You know, I'm sure they weren't banking on, uh, on any great success for me, but it was yeah. such a great experience. They had already set up a, you know, a, a, a long-term hotel and all of us actors, there was probably eight of us stayed in a one, you know, suite together and, uh, and just went out as many auditions as we could. And, and uh, uh, I ended up, uh, when I went back to Chicago, I got a call that they wanted to see me again for the Thornbirds. And mm. so I, I ended up getting that gig and then I moved to LA and, you know, continued the struggle. What did your parents say to all of that? I mean, that's a, that's a big change. Yeah, it was a pretty big change. Uh, interestingly, I was surprised. My, my dad was kind of a strict, you know, he was a World War II vet, a Depression era, you know, guy and, uh, you know, very practical, you know, yeah. saved, saved a lot of money. And surprisingly, he was more uh, supportive of it than my mom, who is, as I said, was kind of a, a movie fan. But he also said, he said, look, go out and do this. Give yourself five years. Yeah. And if you haven't succeeded by five years, then it's probably time to move on. You know, which that's, I, I that's think great probably, advice. Yeah. yeah, it is pretty good advice. You know, the trouble is, you know, when you're in the arts, you know, you don't think in times like, okay, I'll do this for five years and then I'll quit. You know, I mean, yeah. so, you know, if I'd actually evaluated it five years, I, I, I probably should have quit. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'd had a little initial success enough to really get bit by the bug and, yeah. um, but, you know, my mom, I think, was just worried for me the way moms do. And, did, they, uh, did they come see you in Chicago? Yeah, yeah. They came out uh, once in, in my apartment and we all hung out and, you know, went and saw the sights. And I mean, I'd had a little bit of success and I'm sure they were thrilled by that. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't have bigger fans than, than my Ohio uh, uh, Medina County fan base. But, um, <laughs> uh, you know, they, they knew I was struggling, too. You know, I had I had some pretty lean years and, you know. Uh, but yeah, they came out to visit and they, you know, assiduously watched all my shows. I, I was very touched when my uh, we father died me come help clean out some stuff. There was all these VHS tapes and you know, of, of every show I'd ever been in. And they uh, were in my dad's uh, kind of uh, almost indecipherable uh, cursive. And that meant so much more to me. I, because he was so, you know, uh, he didn't compliment people easily. I, it made me realize how, how happy he was for me and proud, I think. And, uh, that was very touching for me and, and, uh, you know, to kind of find out about it in that way. Yeah. That's so cool. I always, I, I, I love that you were in the Thornbirds because that, that mini series stood out to me so much as a child staying with my grandparents for an entire summer in Arizona. And honestly, I mean, I love my grandma and granddad, but there wasn't much to do. Um, so thankfully your mini series was really helpful. I had something to look forward to every night because <laughs> it was about 120 degrees every day. So you couldn't really hang out outside, but we, you know, we had the Thornbirds at night. We could sit in the AC with a bowl of ice cream and watch the Thornbirds. So thank you for that, by the way. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, yeah, I, it, it was a great thrill to be involved in it. And like I said, because it was the first big thing I'd done. I mean, I met Barbara yeah. Stanwyck and, uh, and Richard Chamberlain and, you know, all these wow. incredible uh, actors who I, you know, I mean, I watched Barbara Stanwyck in the Big Valley growing up. So here yeah. I am on a set with her and talking with her. And I mean, it was, it was, a, you know, it was mind boggling 
to to suddenly be in that position, you know, just, you know, for no kind of apparent reason, it seemed, you know, I just happened to be out in LA and got this great job. And, and uh, so it, it was yeah. a thrill. Where did that film? It, it filmed in uh, Simi Valley out, out here. I know that at the time it was quite controversial that the, uh, the Aussies were, were quite uh, upset. It's such a, you know, uh, uh, Australia centric kind of story. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, you know, I went through all the trouble of, of, of trying to learn an Australian accent, which is not easy. I, I was, I always yeah. thought I was great at accents, but you know, English, Irish, all that stuff, <laughs> but, but Australian. So I, you know, I made friends with an Australian woman who, uh, you know, who I just followed her around and let her talk to me and tried to pick up all the, you know, all the down unders and all that stuff. I, yeah. I remember meeting Brian Brown, who was in the movie and he uh -huh. said, good egg when he first met me. And I was like, good egg, good egg. Is he calling me a good egg? I mean, it was a question <laughs> my dad used, but I thought nobody says good egg when you first meet him. It, it's hard to imagine that Australia was, you know, still sort of a dark continent at, at that yeah. time. You know, it was the Thornbirds and, and, you know, Crocodile Dundee who, who've brought it into, you know, our mainstream consciousness mm -hmm. here, but uh, it was definitely, uh, you know, it was definitely a farm boy kind of getting, uh, getting an education. Right. See me about, was it hot? That, I mean, it looked painfully, miserably yeah. hot. Yeah, it, it's, it's hot. You know, I mean, that part probably it, they share with the outback, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it, it what's strange is Simi Valley is, you know, an hour outside of Los Angeles, which is mm -hmm. the limit that, that you can shoot without paying people extra for sleeping, you know, staying overnight and all that stuff. So it, it, it's the site of a lot of uh, Westerns and, and, okay. and, you know, uh, you know, even, even, uh, even mash, you know, for, for, for Korea, it, it, you know, there's so the parts of it, so, yeah. yeah. Did you, so you were moved to LA by that point once you got cast in that role? Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. And just before that, I mean, while I was waiting for Thornbirds to start, I ended up getting another short film. It was for the American film Institute, but it happened to be with Jennifer Jason Lee, who, Wow. You know, uh, went on, you know, it was just a, like I said, a short film for, for uh, uh, Ellen Sandler's um, senior directing project. And, uh, and, you know, so that was kind of exciting too. I mean, she was a pretty, uh, I mean, she was cute. And <laughs> <laughs> that helps. Yeah. Yeah. That always helps. Yeah. And, and, and her, her father is Vic Morrow, you know, who used to be on, uh, is it Rat Patrol or, uh, yeah, I mean, one of those kind of army shows that were so popular when I was growing up. So I don't yeah. know. It was just this strange, melding of my farm life watching television to my Hollywood life, you know, being in being the midst of shooting these things with people that, that I knew as, as a child, but yeah. only on television, you know. Did you ever geek out about meeting somebody? Uh, yeah. I mean, James <laughs> Jones was, you know, I, I've met a lot of people and, you know, it's a, it's a industry thing that you just don't, you know, fanboy over somebody when you meet them, you know, you, right. you're working with them and, you know, so, uh, but, but, you know, there's but some internally, people, internally, you know, I mean, there's some people that you just can't keep your <laughs> shit together with, you know, and, and <laughs> one of them, you know, unfortunately he's probably used to it because, uh, you know, I was sitting next to him in the makeup trailer it, it, and, and when we were shooting, uh, you know, field of dreams and mm -hmm. I was pretending not to see him, even though it's just a complete mirror in front of us. So he's right there. And I'm trying to think like, okay, do I, uh, nice to meet you, Mr. Earl Jones. And I thought, oh, is it Earl Jones hyphenated? Or is it, you know, like I was just completely lost. And I was just, you know, pretending he didn't exist. This, you know, 250 pound black man sitting next to me in the, in a, 
at the chair and he just, he just reached over with his big hand and said, hi, I'm Jimmy. And, uh, you know, shook my hand and, you know, it was, it was, you know, he's just the nicest guy. I mean, everybody in Hollywood tells you, will tell you that he's, he grew up on a farm. So we had a lot to talk about. He's just a consummate actor. It was all about the work. So, um, but, but he was just one of those people that, you know, despite meeting, you know, Burt Lancaster, who I was a big fan of and used to do an imitation of when I was a kid and, 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 you know, Kevin, who was kind of a big, you know, on his way up, you know, it was James Earl that, you know, kind of really had me uh, quaking in my boots. But he didn't call you a good egg. So that's. Oh, yeah, exactly. I understood what Jimmy meant and <laughs> handshake. All that was very familiar. You understood his, his speech. No, I get that. I, get that. So, I love that it's Jimmy, too, because like, I don't know, that, that's a really interesting question. Yeah. yeah, James Earl Jones. And like, I mean, that's, that's Darth Vader, man. Like, it's, it's yeah. hard to really separate that. But Jimmy, I would not have guessed Jimmy. Jimmy. But yeah, I, I think, I mean, he, I think he prefers to go by James Earl, but I think he used Jimmy in a way to kind of really break the ice. You know what I mean? It like yeah. made yeah. it so familiar. And, and uh, anyway, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I was forever grateful for him being, you know, so magnanimous because, yeah. you know, celebrities, you know, not, not many of them, but some of them can really play up their superiority and, and, and make things, True. you know, awkward. And so I, I was very grateful that he made me feel welcome. That's so, so yeah, I mean, you did a little film that, you know, called Field of Dreams that, um, (laughs) yeah. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, I, that's, it's so interesting. And I I loved reading your book that you wrote about it, which I want to get into a little bit later. But there's so many people that have a connection to that movie, whether in a family sense or a timing sense. I know for me, my dad was 36, who was the same age as Kevin Costner's character. And that for some reason stood out to me. And of course, sobbing through the whole thing. But what did you, what did you do to prep for that? I mean, it's kind of a, kind of a big show. Yeah. I mean, and I had read the movie, the book, uh, Shoeless Joe yeah. uh, in, in college, a, a buddy of mine who went to uh, Ohio U was a writing major. Uh, Mark Kuhar sent me the book and I just loved it. So, mm-hmm. but I'd forgotten all about it, you know, then, you know, whatever, six years later, uh, down comes Shoeless Joe on, on a casting uh, breakdown. And uh, so I was thrilled to be involved. I, I'd loved the book. So that always added extra in enthusiasm uh, and determination to an audition. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, uh, it was interesting because I, I, you know, I probably 300 guys auditioned for that part. I mean, I saw the, wow. when I was researching my book. I, I, I found they have all the casting information at the, uh, at the library of arts and sciences. And so I got to kind of look through it. And Jim Carrey's name is on the, on the list of people oh, for John Kinsella. I know that's crazy, but I mean, that's the only part I ever beat him out for, but you know, <laughs> hey, well done you take it. And I can't I, even, I couldn't see him now. You know, what's interesting is, is Robin Williams was up for Ray Kinsella. So can you imagine uh, Robin Williams uh, being the son of Jim Carrey in oh the field of gosh. dreams? I mean, it, it could have happened. Fortunately uh, it didn't, but uh, nope. anyway, it's possible. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Both of those guys are capable of doing kind of the the dramatic range and everything. Yeah, I, I think so, and and I think, you know, I know Jim Carrey. I mean, you know, we all have our own daddy issues, and I think, yeah. you know, and I I I loved what Jim Carrey has done with his career, the yeah. uh, kind of thought provoking, and you know, Truman oh, yeah. Show, and all those things that are very uh, philosophical. You know, the yeah. way yeah. 
you know, with it as entertaining as Field of Dreams is, it, it opens a lot of uh, existential questions, I think, which, which I could see why he was, you know, excited to audition for it as much yeah. as I was. Yeah. Um, 300. Yeah. I mean, wow. So, yeah, I, I feel pretty lucky. But, you know, I, when when they finally got back to me that I'd been cast in it, of course, I was thrilled and was uh, going to head to Iowa in, in July to, you know, to, to start the casting. And, and mm -hmm. as I tried to do whenever I had, had a, a shooting out east, uh, I would cut as my folks, you know, so I, I made plans to uh, go through Ohio. Yeah. Uh, on my way to Iowa to shoot the movie. And uh, a couple, you know, like a week before I was already planning to be there, my mom called up and said, hey, you know, your dad's in the hospital and all this stuff. And I was like, well, is he okay? And she said, yeah, yeah, he's fine. You know, it's, he's got some jaundice and they haven't figured out what's going on yet. And, and I said, well, should I come home early? And she said, no, no, don't worry. You're going to be here in a week. And I was like, okay. Well, I, I got to thinking about it and I just felt like I should go home early. So I changed my flight, which at the time was, you know, kind of a hassle and, and, mm -hmm. I, I got there, you know, as soon as I could. And, and uh, you know, the long and short of it is my dad died that night. Oh, my gosh. I, I think he was sort of waiting for yeah. my sister and I to arrive and kind of hanging on. But it yeah. was, you know, this was completely out of surprise. You know, I didn't even know he was sick or, or, or right. anything until my mom mentioned it. And um, so wow. then it became very strange that I was, you know, I, I, 36 days before I'm supposed to report to the set, I'm, I'm leaving my dad's funeral and going to play the, the, the dead father who coming back to play catch with their son. So it, it certainly made the, the whole movie and experience that much more poignant and difficult and awkward uh, yeah. for me. So, uh, you know, as far as, you know, you asked if I, what I did to prepare, I, I certainly <laughs> didn't intend to do that, but. Not what you wanted. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it, it made it, you know, of course, as an actor, uh, I was very worried that I would, wouldn't be able to get through the scene that I would yeah. just completely fall apart and not be able to say the very few lines that I had. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, to my surprise, when my dad died and I started to process it, that information slowly, the way you do when you have, Mm -hmm. funerals to a plan and, and your mom to take care of and all those kind of things. I, I sort of couldn't be sad about my dad's passing, which was, you know, it was embarrassing at the time. Yeah. But I realized in, later that it was because I, you know, my, my dad had had a pretty tough life. His, mm -hmm. you know, not to mention world war II and the depression that a lot of that generation went through, but his dad was, I don't know. I don't want to say abusive. He, he was, uh, he used my dad and his siblings as bargaining chips in a divorce that he wanted and was therefore very, uh, you know, just dismissive of them, I guess I should say. Right. And uh, so um, I, I felt when my dad died that he was free. All I could imagine was that he was like this hummingbird who was would fly in and, you know, be right in my face and said, Oh, Dwyer, I'm just having this greatest time. You know, I, you should come with me and he'd fly off to Mars or something is, is sort of the image that I had that he was just, you know, flitting about and enjoying the world <clears throat> that he couldn't have enjoyed in that way when he was inside his body in, in the circumstances he was dealt. Wow. So there was this sense of kind of joy about it, which is, you know, very confusing to somebody who wants to grieve their, 
parent, you know, I wanted to get through my grief with my dad so that I could do this part and all this stuff, you know, but here I am in this cornfield in Iowa and feeling like my dad is flying in and out of the corn and like the ghost players, you know, checking in with me and then going off and, you know, laughing like James Earl does when he sticks his hand into the corn. And yeah. Uh, so then I thought, well, well this is really going to be difficult. I'm not going to be able to even access my regular emotions because I'm, yeah. you know, it was, <clears throat> it was difficult to be the, the grieving son and the actor who's gotten this great part that he wants to do a great job in. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I think both those things ended up creating the delicate or helped help create the delicate tension that's in that, in the scene, you know, because I didn't tell anybody at the set that, that my father had died because I didn't want people, you know, treating me differently or, 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 you know, for heaven's sake, recasting right. the role because they were worried I couldn't yeah. do it. And, you know, so, but it, it ended up kind of feeding it in, in this, in, in the great way that that scene has of the hopeful gratitude that's in John Kinsella for his son having built this field and the, you know, he asks, is this heaven? You know, I mean, it, it, <laughs> it couldn't have been more poignant for me. Yeah. yeah. You know, feeling that for, for my dad, you know, and, and when I left Ohio, I, I took my dad's baseball glove with me that he had taught my brother and I to play catch with in, oh. in hopes that, you know, I could get it in the movie as, as, you know, but by the time I arrived, all the other ball players had <clears throat> established their baseball gloves yeah. in the movie already. And, and because I was a catcher, uh, they gave me a, a vintage catcher's mitt. So it, <clears throat> it, um, it didn't make it in the movie, but I take it now on all my, uh, you know, personal appearances and, you know, yeah. it feels a little like, uh, you know, I'm taking my dad with me, you know, yeah. on my, uh, I mean, one of the only regrets I have about that movie is I, I didn't get to watch it with him. You know, that's a, yeah. that's a joy that I have to uh, learn about from the fans who come up to me and, and recognize me and, mm -hmm. and tearfully tell me about how much that movie meant to them and their father, you know, ah. uh, anyway. Oh, no, this is, we're all going to be there in a minute. Oh. So but you, you do yeah. talk about that in that the impact that your, your character had for the, that's what it stood out to me is that in this small segment at the very end really dictated the entire thing and made sense and people would come up to you and, and combine that with their own loss or joy or relationship with their own fathers. You get that a lot even still, don't you? Yeah, it's pretty amazing because, you know, I, I don't look like I did, you know, 33 years ago, but it's remarkable to me. I think, I mean, I always attribute it to to James Horner's amazing score. Oh, and, yes. and also that, you know, that James Earl and and, and Kevin and, and Ray Liotta, they all open the audience's heart, you know, mm -hmm. by that journey they go on. And I just get to take my catcher's mask off and, and walk right into everybody's heart. Yeah. So when my face is 40 feet high in a movie theater, I think it's, you know, like tattooed on their optic nerve or something. So when they're in an airport or a grocery store and they see my face, you know, they, they start going through their, you know, internal Rolodex. And, you know, usually it starts out with, did I go to high school with you? And, <laughs> you know, and I'll say, oh, no, I went to high school in Ohio. I, I don't, you know, probably don't know me. And, and then they'll be like, there's that moment of shocked recognition and immediately almost frequently tears in their eyes about, you know, what that movie meant. Yeah. So, yeah, 
what's great about it is because I didn't get to watch the movie with my dad, it's this touchstone that every time I, I'm at an event and invariably run into somebody who, whose emotion is on their sleeve, it's my way of staying in touch with my dad. You know, I think, you know, maybe it's his way. Maybe he yeah. makes that happen from, you know, wherever he is or, but in any case, it, it makes it, uh, it makes me very, uh, appreciative of those moments. I try very hard to be very present with people because mm -hmm. I know what it's like to have that grief and, and, and not necessarily have a place to, to unload it. And, uh, you know, that, you know, people watch that, some people watch that movie every year just so they mm -hmm. can have that little cry, you know, about their dad or, or yeah. whatever else is going on in their lives. And, you know, it, it affords me that opportunity as well. How did it feel watching that for yourself when the when the movie came out, when you saw the screening? Like, how was that for you seeing the culmination? I mean, obviously you read the script, but right. what was it like to see it for yourself? What What's, uh, I mean, in retrospect, when I shot that movie, I, I thought it was just this last little five minutes. I actually wanted a bigger role, you know, when, when <laughs> I was coming in for John Kinsella, I was like, oh no, I want to be one of the ball players or something, yeah. you know? And part of the reason for that is because in the novella, mm -hmm. uh, Shoeless Joe, mm -hmm. the father is introduced in, I think chapter one or maybe chapter two, he appears very early on mm -hmm. and he and, and Ray sort of have an ongoing conversation. And so the, the, the drama of him appearing at the end, which is, uh, you know, Phil Alden Robinson, who, who directed and adapted the book to the screenplay, that was a brilliant move on his part and certainly, you know, made the, made the role much more powerful, you know, and, and like I said, I think James Horner's score kind of has this thundering, like rumbling that, that feels like a freight train or a, or a storm coming across the prairie. And then, when the storm arrives, it's me, you know, I'm, I'm the storm that nobody is expecting sort of. And, and I think that made it much more profound. So uh, I was really not anticipating until we saw the screening uh, the cast and crew screening, which is the day before the public release. Yeah. All of us were in there. I, I think all of us, Kevin and, and James Earl and, you know, Tim Busfield, all of us were, you know, we were crying watching ourselves, you know, that's, that's unusual. Which, yeah. Cast and crew screenings are pretty jokey affairs where everybody's kind of, you know, sees things that the audience isn't going to see and makes fun of somebody for, mm -hmm. you know, painting the wrong color on getting in the shot or some, you know, something. And, and, you know, it's a kind of time for the cast and crew to, you know, have a laugh before the movie's released. But, you know, we were all just flabbergasted. I mean, really, there's no other word. We were just, Oh my gosh, what, what have we done? You know, we, yeah. and, and you know, that's, that's unusual because usually, you know, you, you know, a script, you study it, you try to do everything right. Mm -hmm. But I can only say that, you know, the score is the thing that we never get to oh. anticipate. Yeah. And, you know, the edit was just great. And uh, I, I was fooled by the, the, uh, the, the change in plot from the book to the movie. Wow. I can't imagine. I mean, it's, it is one of the few movies and I don't, I'm not a big crier at movies. I don't know, Ben, if you are, but I'm not a, I'm not a brick wall, I'm a, I'm a but giant softie, actually. are you really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Uh, pretty much all movies. So yeah. It... <laughs> like the matrix. Yeah. <laughs> the matrix makes me cry. Tommy boy. Actually oh. Tommy's Tommy boy's got movies, oh. but yeah. No, it just wasn't. I, I always think of the movie. And again, for me, there are personal family ties to it as well. Like I said, we, we saw it when 
my dad was 36 and my parents split after that, but it was still a poignant movie in our lives. And I remember the day that Burt Lancaster died, my mom could not ever make it through the scene where he crossed, never. She could not make it through the scene where he crosses the line. And so it was the day that he passed away and they were showing just snippets of his work. Mom literally is, I'm totally throwing you under the bus, mom, sorry. But she's literally walking through the living room with a basket of laundry, turns for one second to the TV, the TV sees that scene and just loses it. She didn't even see anything else. She didn't know that he had died. She just happened to see that scene and loses it. Yeah. It's... <laughs> Yeah, it is, it's kind of reflexive at some point because the movie's been around so long. Yeah. The more you cry at it, the more susceptible you are, I think. You know, I, I don't know. It's a it's an unusual effect. I've been in, you know, dozens and dozens of movies and TV shows, and there's nothing really like that that has this, I don't know, this cumulative effect on you, I guess. Yeah. Do you, Does it make you cry still? Like. Yeah, I mean, it, it totally gets me. I mean, I end up doing a lot of screenings. I'll do you know, Q and A's afterwards or, mm -hmm. and everything. And yeah, I, I frequently, when I stay and watch it, you know, it's, I always, I find more and more things about that movie that I like, you know, that's, that's, I think the sign of a good movie yeah. is I find moments that I love now that I didn't notice when I first watched it, you know, like, I mean, I love James Earl, that laugh coming from Darth Vader, that laugh when he goes into the corn, I think that it's just so childlike and, and, and here's this huge, you know, man with, with all the power of his acting career and Darth Vader and him kind of giggling in the most childlike way as he goes into the corn is so beautiful, you yeah. know, on an existential level. If, if, if you imagine that he, that he's passing into death or whatever you imagine, it's just, it's just a beautiful moment. And, and, you know, and, and Tim Busfield mm. walking right through the, the uh, field <laughs> and the pitch like that had to have been inches from hitting and, you know, that's not CGI. He had to, no. He had to steal do it. himself and walk through there and trust mm -hmm. that that pitcher wasn't going to bean him, you know, and uh, you know, that to me is, is just such a, a, a fantastic moment, you know, and, yeah. and, and many more tiny little things that, that catch me every time I watch it, that I, it, it keeps you from leaving the room, you know, cause yeah. if you happen to walk through a room like your mom did and it's on, it's a very hard movie to keep walking, you know, like, Oh, I'll, you know, I'll watch this later. It's oh, like, Oh, no. I'll just this part. And then yeah. you get to that part and you're like, oh, I wanna, oh, 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 after oh, this, yeah. and then, yeah. then there's this part, you know, and anyway, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, just so pleased that I was lucky enough to, to be a part of a movie that, that has that kind of effect. That's now. So I don't know if you knew I'm an acting coach. So of course I, I, I want to ask the acting question. Oh, sure. And if this is a secret you don't want to share, then absolutely oh. don't share it. But I was approached by a friend that had said, did he know that he was Ray's father? Uh-huh. That's interesting because uh, when when we shot the movie, the line that Ray says when we're having a catch is, hey, you want to have a catch? Um. He says, hey, I turn around, want to have a catch. Mm -hmm. They finish the movie. They're doing audience screenings to you know, see how audiences are responding to it. Yeah. And overwhelmingly, people said they loved the movie, but oh my gosh, it was so cruel of Ray not to let him know that he's his dad. Yeah. You know, and it left a real sour taste in, in, in these audience members' uh, mouths. And so they went back in post-production. And if you watch the movie closely, and I, I, I shudder to tell people this because I don't want it to ruin the ending, but yeah. you see Kevin's mouth say, hey, and then they cut 
for the dad part because they looped it in. They looped in the word dad while they cut to me turning around in response to it. And then he says, you want to have a catch, which, you know, fixes that problem Mm -hmm. in a very clever way that nobody over the years really notices. And, uh, you know, when we shot it, I can tell you if, since you're, you know, an acting coach and you, and you know, you, you're interested in these things. Mm -hmm. I, I think Kevin and I talked a lot about it and our feeling was, you know, the, the field is set up as this magical place and that the, the rules aren't enumerated anywhere. Earlier in the movie, uh, Amy Madigan asks uh, Shoeless Joe to come up for coffee. And he says, he looks down at the baseline and says, uh, I don't think I can. He doesn't say, I, I know I can't or anything like mm-hmm. that. I don't think I can. And then, you know, when Doc Graham crosses mm-hmm. that line, the movie, the, the, the part of the movie that's so emotional for your mom, mm-hmm. you know, his feet change. He becomes normal again. You know, when James Earl goes into the corn, we don't know if he's ever coming back. You know, we don't, you know, I've had a million people ask me, well, what, what happens to James Earl? Does, is he dying or anyway, there's all these kind of vagaries and Mm -hmm. it was Kevin and I's thought that, you know, we don't know what's happening. We're having this magical moment. Maybe I recognize that this is my son. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, when, when Ray introduces me, he says, this is, this is my, this yeah. is John. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I shoot him a little look. It was our kind of understanding that we knew what was going on, but we're afraid to say it for fear that it would break the spell, the field would disappear or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever we imagined would happen. So again, that was another thing that I think gave that scene, this kind of tenuous quality that do you know that I'm your dad. Do you know that I'm your son? And, you know, and I think that added to it, I think, in retrospect, adding the dad was was great for the movie because it would have been terrible if people left the movie feeling, you know, kind of uh, uh, animosity towards Ray. <laughs> what a that. jerk! Yeah. yeah, but you know, from an acting point of view, I like that the subtlety. You know, I, it, mm-hmm. it would have been fun. It was fun. Yeah. Not you know not having that spelled out for everybody. I I, I like the subtlety of, of the way it was shot, but they did end up adding the word dad. So. Right. Uh, yeah, that that's sort of how I looked at it as a un, uh, unspoken, understood mm-hmm. element of of the plot. Clever, um, thank you. And the other thing, since you asked, uh, I yeah. can do this briefly. I grew up uh, in Amish country uh, before I moved to uh, uh, Wadsworth. Mm-hmm. I lived in uh, in near Uniontown, Ohio, and uh, and I, you know, my first in first grade, I, I I fell in love with an Amish girl named Rachel. Oh. If she's out there, hi, Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Um, but uh, may not be listening to our podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on, on, the ga- on, on the gasoline-powered radio, right. or, or, or horse horse-driven. I guess I should. I'm say. sure we are the number one podcast for, yeah. for the Amish community. <laughs> for the yes. Amish community. Yeah. Anyway, uh, one of my themes in my mind when I was preparing for this was as if I was an Amish kid who was going to a carnival for the first time. Oh. That was the that was the image I had in my head as I was walking from taking my mask off, walking from the field over to meet, uh, to meet Ray and, and, uh, and Karen and, and, um, uh, Annie. So, uh, anyway, that's just a little tip, whether, you know, obviously the audience doesn't know those things. It's, it's what we call subtext, but that Mm -hmm. was sort of part of it. Like the idea that you would have spent your life in this 
sort of antiquated type, uh, you know, lifestyle that they have and suddenly be subjected to bright lights and, you know, in crazy food and rides and all this kind of stuff. So that was sort of an image. And because I grew up in that, mm -hmm. that resonated enough with me that, that that was just one of the images I used. Mm. See, this is what, uh, this is what we tell our actors. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. got to create your backstories, my dear. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it only works if it resonates with you and it, it doesn't matter what it is. The audience will no. never know, but if it makes you start to tear up or makes you, you know, have whatever emotion you're supposed to have, then, then, you know, that's, it's fair game. You've got to use it. You know, yep. that's, that's why you're, you have to live a full life in order to be a, a great actor, I think, because, because yeah. you need all those experiences to draw on. Do you teach? Have you taught acting? We lost you. Acting class. I don't teach anymore. It, it, it was kind of frustrating for me, I guess, after a while. Because uh, I, was, I, I was very serious about acting. You know, I, I took acting classes my whole career, you know, for 30 years. You know, you'd think once you're working, maybe you'd, and you know, a lot of actors do that. But I, I was always trying to get an edge and, and I found it fascinating, human behavior and, and and imitating human behavior and feeling, you know, so uh, teaching people who weren't as serious about it as I was, was difficult for me, you know, and I, I loved acting for 35 years. And <laughs> on some level, I, I kind of hate it now, <laughs> you know, I don't know how to say it, but I was so into it. And now when I watch it, I, I don't know if it's my standards are high or, or whatever. I, I have difficulty enjoying shows I, I end up watching a lot of uh documentaries and stuff now uh because it's difficult for me and you know that's the way I'd, i you know sort of like it i'm sure I'll, I'll i'll relax a little over that but i don't know how i put up with in retrospect i don't know how i put up with the rejection that you go through i mm -hmm. i did not have a great batting average with with auditions i would audition for a hundred things before i'd get something and yeah. you know most good actors it's you know 10 or 25 auditions. I was just never good auditioner. And despite that, I, I was in a lot of great projects. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, I think it's just out of Ohio, uh, you know, uh, perseverance, you know, I just read that great book about the Wright brothers, you know, from mm -hmm. Dayton. And I could just totally get on the board with that Ohio determination and, you know, and, and, you know, just keep, beating your head against a wall. <laughs> and, we do uh, that. Yeah, yeah. We Ohioans do that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's a great quality and, and you know, I, people out here in California, I, I, they really notice it, I think about me, you know, that, uh, you know, you get determined and you're, you know, you keep a, a good spirit. You know, I have friends, most of my friends here in, in LA and, and well, I'm outside of Los Angeles, but in Southern California, they're from Ohio. <laughs> or, or Pennsylvania, and they weren't people I knew back there. It, yeah. It's just that we we congregate towards each other because there's a you know there's a kindness and and, and innocence and a and you know a, a work ethic and and all that and a sense of humor. You know you, you got to have a sense of humor if you're from Ohio or oh or yeah, you're just not going to make it. Nope, not at all, not at all. Do you what are you doing these days? What's keeping you busy? Ideally, post quarantine, I know you guys are smarter in California than we are in Ohio, and taking your time opening up. But what's been, what yeah. what's keeping you busy? Well, uh, you know, just before COVID went down, I, I do uh, appearances and 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 speeches now. So I had like forty of them in in, in 2019, and and then all the ones I had for 2020 were canceled or postponed. 
uh, some of them were doing this year, ball games, a lot of minor league ball games, uh, major league ball games. Uh, I do, you know, corporate speeches, you know, sort of based around the movie. And yeah. um, uh, I, I also have uh, somebody approach me about making a field of dreams cornflakes. Those will be out in July 1st. My little I have a little mock-up box here, but it's uh, <laughs> off screen. Anyway, we're actually shooting a little uh, commercial for it today, uh, just here at our house, my wife and I, just for social media. Oh my uh, gosh. So anyway, brilliant. You know, that's just kind of a funny thing. It's it's to help out a charity that that I'm involved with that uh, helps uh, kids and loved ones of people who've who've uh, lost uh, a family member or a primary caregiver. It they it's called Comfort Zone Camp, and they they have summer camps for people to help them process this information. It's run by people who've lost the parent and, yeah. and the campers. Anyway, it's a great, great process. And that's, that's going on. Uh, this weekend, I'm going to Des Moines, Iowa to host a couple drive-in movie screenings of uh, Field of Dreams. Nice. Um, there's, you know, there's actually a, a, a television show in the works that's too far away to say anything about. I, I learned being an actor that you jinx yourself by talking too much about it, but <laughs> there's plenty, there's plenty going on. And, uh, you know, I, I, my book, I, I, I'm still quite kind of on a book tour. People ask me to come and, and you know, uh, sell books and do Q and A's. And anyway, it's, it's kind of a good life. I, uh, I, like I said, I, I, when I was done with acting, I was done with it. And this, I find more rewarding because I, I really enjoy the one-on-one -on -one, cool. uh, contact with people and, and having them, you know, tell me what the shows that I've been in have meant to them. And, you know, it's kind of a nice way to look back at your career through the eyes of the people who've, who've been watching it, you know, it's, it's been nice. You are impactful and that is, that's a huge gift. So I'm glad that you got to experience that. I'm proud of you. Great. Uh -huh. Well done. Uh, <laughs> we'll also, right. we'll also put a link to your book too. I, again, I really enjoyed reading that just for the personal nature behind everything and for the acting stuff. So yeah, we'll definitely post a link to that, but where can people find you social media and or, it's, it's all on my name, uh, Dwyer Brown, you know, at Dwyer Brown, D-W-I-E-R, Brown, like the color. Uh, yeah, so all the social media, I have a website that's DwyerBrown.com. And uh, so, yeah, it, it, it's, yeah, it's been fun. A Facebook page, the whole, the whole deal. Excellent. It's been fun kind of staying in touch. I have friends from high school and junior high that, you know, occasionally uh, find me on social media. And that's, you know, that's always kind of heartwarming and fun. Uh -huh. mm. I got voted a distinguished alumni from Highland High School. So get you right. fancy. Yeah, I know. It's it's kind of uh, it's it, it's kind of amazing because I was anything but a distinguished student. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I got I got good grades, but I I was a troublemaker. So well, you I'm, know, I'm glad that uh, that's all been forgiven and forgotten. I hope you're you're an actor. I mean, there's yeah. that's part and parcel of yeah, so many sides. To <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. You are amazing. Thank you again so much for hanging out with us today. This was such a blast and Thank you, good Thank luck you with everything. As usual, loving the Ohio people, you know, it's just, uh, it's just easy, easy yeah. talk. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Best thank of you. luck. All Thanks right. again. Thank All you, Ben. Thank you, Christine. Bye. Bye. Land Media. Think big.